Thanks to Tony's fans. Uh, I, I really wish we could sit down this morning and I could just have a conversation with you. And I would love to know your life story. Uh, I would ask you, hey, tell me about when you were born and everything that's happened since then. And, and I would just love to hear the ups and downs. I'd love to hear about who you were in high school. You know, were you the nerd? Were you the popular kid? Were you the jock? Were you were the kid who didn't know who they were? I would just love to know that. I, I would love to be able to hear the story about your college years. And for some of you, I'd love to hear the story about how you met your spouse and how you fell in love and, and how you had your kids and, and what a crisis that was. And I'd love to hear about how you chose your career or whether you stumbled into it or whether it uh, was something you just really felt drawn to. If you went in the military or if you just found a job after high school, I'd love to know the story. And here's what I'm pretty sure I would hear in your story, that there would be ups and downs, that you would lose people that you love that you'd have some heartbreaks on the way. There would be moments of incredible joy. And here's what I know about you. You have a story. You've got a story. I'd love to hear it. But of course, we don't have that much time today. And I think as a people, we, we really don't take time to know our stories. We don't take time to tell them we don't even take time to, to write them down or even to process them ourselves. And so over the next two weeks, I want us simply to dive in to Psalm 107, and I want to talk to you over the next two weeks about this simple truth. Whether you know it or not, God is in your story. Whether you know it or not, whether you accept it or not, God is in your story. Now, if you're not a believer, you may get, I just don't even know if there is a God. How can I think that God's in my story when I don't even know if he's real? And I get that. But I want you just to think with me for a minute. There's probably a moment in your life when you said, boy, I sure was lucky. I was lucky. I sure was lucky that car swerved. I sure was lucky that pregnancy test was negative. I sure was lucky that all worked out. I sure was lucky that, that the boss trusted me and forgave me. I sure was lucky I got out of that mess. But you realize luck is mathematical probability. What if all those times that you said you were lucky was actually God? Even if you're not sure there is a God, what if God was actually the one showing up in your life and saying, hey, I'm at work. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you already get this, right? You already know that God is showing up in your story and he is at work. And this is one of the best reasons to be a Jesus follower. We are promised in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. If you love our Lord Jesus Christ, if you love our heavenly father, God is especially working good for you. He works good for everybody, but especially for you. Why? Well, because you're his child. And don't we want to do good for our children? Of course we do. Of course we do. So I want you over the next two weeks to take time to know your story, just like these passage, this passage invites us to, to tell it to yourself, maybe to somebody else, and to find where God is at work. And what we're going to do is we're going to find that Psalm 107 opens with this invitation to tell our story, and then it's going to give us four models of a story. 
And each of the stories are going to give some similar things. Going to be, there's going to be a crisis, a cry for help. Then there's going to be God rescuing, and there's going to be an opportunity to give thanks. So let's first look at how the psalm opens. If you have a Bible, make sure it's open to Psalm 107. We're actually going to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And I want you to be able to refer to this in your own Bible. You might want to make a mark or a note or something. So this is how the psalm starts. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The word give thanks means to throw or to cast. Some of you have used a cast net before. And what you're doing is you are throwing something away from you to something out there. To give thanks to God is to give him credit. To give thanks to God is to say, hey, it wasn't me. It wasn't luck. It was God. To give thanks to God means you recognize he is at work in your life. Why is God at work? Because he's good. It means he's solid. It means you can trust him. He has integrity. Now, some of you say, wait a minute. I believe in God. I'm just not sure he's always good. I mean, because I've prayed and bad things still happen. I understand that. But, but here's what I want you to remember. The pain of the moment clouds your vision of God's goodness. Yeah, when you're in pain, you don't see your life or your story clearly. One of my favorite Christian authors, a man named Max Lucado, tells this story um, about a man whose son went into the forest, found a horse, brought the horse back into the village, and all the people in the village said, how lucky you are that your son found a horse. And the man said, whether this is good or bad, I do not know. Only God knows. And then naturally, the son tries to ride the horse, break the horse, so he gets up on the horse. The horse throws him. Son breaks his leg. All the people in the village said, how unlucky you are that your son found the horse and then tried to ride him and now he's been thrown and broken his leg. And the man says, whether this is good or whether this is bad, I do not know, only God knows. And then the king declared war. And all the able-bodied men in the village were drafted, but this man's son was not drafted because he had a broken leg. And everybody in the village said to the man, how lucky you are. That your son found the horse and it threw him and it broke his leg and now he doesn't have to go to the war. And the man said, whether this is good or this is bad, I do not know. Only God knows. Because see, in the moment, you don't know. In a moment, you can't see. This is one of the reasons you should always focus on taking your next step toward Jesus Christ. Because Jesus can see clearly when you can't. Now look at verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, the redeemed are the ones that God has chosen, the ones that God has paid for. Tell their story. That's the invitation. Tell your story. When I was in college, I heard a pastor who was near retirement say something stuck with me all these years. He said, you only understand God's work in your life fully in the rearview mirror. It's only when you look back that you can actually say, oh, 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 that was God. God was at work. So let's unpack the four life stories, the four crises that we see in Psalm 107. And again, the pattern you're going to see I'll mark it out for you. It's going to be crisis, cry, rescue, thanks. Verse 4. 
Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. Remember in the ancient Near East, you ever seen pictures? It's a desert. It's dry. It doesn't have much water. Where did they establish cities and towns? Where there was water. So what's this first crisis? People who lack direction. They don't know where the place with the water is. They don't know where safety is. Hey, is this your story? I think adolescence is hard. If you're a teenager, it's hard. Why is it hard? Because there's so much to figure out. What am I going to do with my life? Will anybody ever like me? Will anybody ever love me? What am I going to do after high school? And, and, and today, I think we've made it even harder because we pile on to the kids. Hey, by the way, when you're eight or nine years old, figure out your sexuality. And then... If you get it all figured out, and by the way, nobody does. Anybody who graduates from high school and says they have it all figured out? <laughs> oh, you know, don't you? You know. They don't have it all figured out. You graduate from college. And now it's like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do with my life? Oh, and then you get married and, and everything's going to be great. It's going to be hunky-dory. And then you find out marriage is reality. And, and kids, you know, how many couples have kids to make their marriage easier? <laughs> Doesn't work. Doesn't work, right? And so you, you just find yourself, what am I supposed to do? You get fired from your job. What am I supposed to do? Then you hit retirement. Now what am I supposed to do? And so you cry out. Verse 6, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Now, this exact phrase is going to be repeated three more times. They cried out. There's a cognate word, a similar word, and it means to bellow like a bull. You know what it sounds like when a bull bellows? Okay, I'm not going to show you because we are live streaming this, and I don't want to wind up on YouTube, right? That's all I'm saying. They cried out. Bellow isn't pretty. Hey, when you're in a crisis, your prayers aren't pretty prayers, are they? In fact, some author has said, I think brilliantly, the root of all prayer is help me. Help me. God, I'm in a mess. Help me. God, I'm in darkness. Help me. God, God, I don't know which way to go. Help me. And if you're not sure that God is good, just consider this. God could just have easily have said, why should I help you? What have you ever done for me? But that's not what God does. Every time somebody lacks direction in their life, God shows up and says, I'll help you. Look at the rescue God does in verse 7. This is the rescue. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. I want you to see something. Notice that phrase, straight way. You can also translate that immediately. It's the idea that wherever God wants you to be, the shortest direction or the shortest distance is going to be found when you follow him. So if you're lost and you're wandering and you're not sure what to do with your life, cry out to God. And God will show up and say, good, this way. I've got a plan for your life. Part of God's plan is that you know Jesus Christ and that you have your sins forgiven. Part of God's plan for your life is that you have a church home that's a place of grace. Part of God's life, a plan for your life is that you build a character like Jesus. And I believe every one of you were made for a purpose. God made you, you for a reason. And you need to know what that is so you can live out your purpose. 
And your purpose is a lot more than just having a family and making some money. You say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, ask God. Now, God may not answer right away, but God will reveal it over time. There is a purpose for your life, whether you're eight or 80. You're unique. God has a reason for you to resist. And so what do people do when God does this, when he leads them to the place where they can dwell? They give thanks. Verse 8, then let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Give thanks that God loves you so much he wants to give you direction. Is this your story? You know, maybe you were one of those people. You graduated from college. You didn't know what to do with your life. And so you took a job, first place, uh, first company that offered you a job. You took it, and they sent you to some strange city you'd never been in before, some strange place, maybe out in the middle of nowhere. And you go, what, God, what am I doing here? And then you meet somebody. You fall in love. You get married. You have a kid. And God's smiling all the time saying, yeah, I sent you there for a reason. Or maybe you get divorced. It wasn't your plan, but it happens. You get divorced, and it's like, oh, my gosh, my life is over. What am I going to do? You know, what, what is next for me? And God just smiles and says, oh, I've got a plan for you. And so you decide, huh, I used to play tennis. Maybe I'll go play tennis. There's people at the tennis court. So you go to t- play tennis. You're not expecting anything to happen. You're just there because, frankly, you want to see some people, and there's somebody else there, and she's kind of cute, and you get to talking to her, and she finds out she's divorced, and and she's going through a lot of stuff. you got a lot of stuff in common, and next thing you know, you move from talking to flirting. And then you move from flirting to dating, and then you move from dating to marriage. And you find out that two broken families can be healed. Because God still has a direction for your life. He's got another chapter for you. Or maybe, maybe you get fired from your job. And you're going, Mom, what am I going to do now? And in the back of your mind, for years, there's been this idea, I want to start my own business. And so you, you take the plunge. You start your own business. And it's hard. It's tough. You're wondering about cash flow. You're, you're piling up debt. And then, boom, you get your first big order. And everything comes through. And all of a sudden, you've got a tailwind. And you look back and you go, I wonder why I got that first order. Duh. God was at work. He rescued you. Is this your story? Let's talk about the next life story. Verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. And of course, you read that verse and you go, well, how did they wind up in the darkness? (laughs) Verse 11, because they rebelled against God's commands and they despised the plans of the Most High. You ever known somebody who winds up in the dark because they think they know more than God? And this is your crisis. Your way is a dead end. That's your crisis. Your way is a dead end. I've, I've talked to people in jail. And they, they, it's amazing. They, they say some of, the, some of the things they say. They, they always say something like, I thought I could get away with it. Or even, it's not my fault I'm here. You know, I, I, I just hung out with the wrong people. Or I'm the victim. 
I didn't really do anything that bad. And, and, and what I've also learned is you don't have to be in a literal jail to think that way. <laughs> I know people who build their own prisons. They wind up in their own darkness. And they will say, well, I never thought this would happen to me. They say, I, I just never, I thought she'd never find out. They say, you know, I, I just thought that I could, I could go through life and I could do this and I didn't need God's help. And, and gosh, now I found out I'm chained up. I'm chained up in an addiction. I'm chained up in a terrible relationship. I'm chained up in this hopeless situation. Boy, have I got good news for you. Listen to the cry. Same words. Same words exactly. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Hey, if you made your own prison, the good news is you can still cry out to God. And it gets better. Look at God's rescue. Verse 14, he brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness, darkness and broke away their chains. Look, if you have built your own prison, if you have thought you could run your own life, if you thought you were smarter than God and now you feel yourself chained down, I've got good news for you. Jesus specifically said, I've come to set the captives free. Jesus specifically said, I've come to bring light in the darkness. Jesus comes for you even when you have rebelled against him. And that, my friends, is good news. And so what do these people do? Word for word the same, verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Hey, is this your story? Is this your story? You in a place of darkness? You in a place where you just feel chained down by an addiction? Chained down because of, of some mess that's been made by your own choices? Well, Jesus is coming for you. I read an article this week about how people met Jesus. One of the great stories in there was a guy saying that he, had, he was in a gay bar and he just felt overwhelmed, felt like he was chained in an addiction, chained in, in, in a hopeless place in the darkness, and it felt like there was a voice that said, you need to get out now. And so he left that bar and he went out, he called a friend of his that he knew was a believer, and they, they met up, they talked, they couldn't get it all out the first day. They talked for a whole nother day. And at the end of the second day, that young man gave his life to Jesus Christ and realized that Jesus had come for him to break the darkness, to break him out of the prison he was in. Is that your story? Oh, I'm not saying that, that may, you may have had the specifics. But if you're in an addiction, if something feels hopeless, if you feel like You'll never break free. The good news is that Jesus has come for you. He's come to set you free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now let's look at the third life story. Verse 17. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. The word fool is interesting. So we've talked about people wandering. We've talked about people who are rebels in the darkness. Now we're talking about fools. The word fool means to be thick. I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor once. He took a CAT scan of my head and he said, has anybody ever told you that you have an abnormally thick skull? And I said, not a medical professional. 
So what's the difference between people in darkness who rebelled against God and a fool? A fool never thinks about consequences. Somebody in the darkness thinks that they're the exception to the rule. A fool makes a mess and then says, how'd this happen? So this is the crisis. You make a mess. You make a mess. You weren't paying attention to your direction. You were not thinking, where does this path lead me? You weren't thinking, what might happen? And not like you, I waste way too much time on social media, and I ran across this meme this week. It just blew my mind. Obviously, a woman wrote this, and she wrote, I've been having an affair with my married boss, and now I'm pregnant. How did this happen? Really? The clue phone is ringing, and it's for you. Now listen to the cry. Word for word the same. We've heard this now three times. Now we've heard it a fourth or a third time. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. To me, more than anything else, this talks about God's grace. This is wonderful. Because if it were me, I would probably say, well, you made your own mess. You figure your way out. But that's not what God says. And if you ever hear that voice in your head, you just know that voice doesn't belong to God. Might belong to your mama or your daddy, but it doesn't belong to God. Because God comes and rescues people who cry out to him even when they've made their own mess. Look at the rescue in verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Now this is why you should read your Bible and take time and actually think about it. Don't just read it, but pause when you come especially to a verse like this. What does God do? He sends out his word. In the Old Testament, the word of God is not just language, it's action. And you see this, first chapter of Genesis. First thing God says, let, uh, let there be light. And there was, okay, some of you are a little slow to catch on. We'll try this again. God says, let there be light. And there was, boom. When God speaks, there's action. Here, God sends out his word, and what happens? He heals them. He heals them from the mess they're in. He heals them from their foolishness. <gasps> and do you remember John chapter 1? Do you remember? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What is John trying to tell us? That Jesus is the final, ultimate, authoritative word of God. He came to make the ultimate happen. He came to be God in action, dying on the cross with his pure blood so that sins could be forgiven, so the power of sin could be broken. And then, oh, this is the cool part. Look at the second part of this verse. Second part of the verse, he rescued them from the grave. You know what the grave is? The grave is a place where there's no hope. The grave is a place where there's no life. The grave is a place where you just give up because there's no future. And Jesus Christ, through his resurrection, has come to rescue us from our own mess and give us a hope and a future. And so what do you do? Verse 21, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for his wonderful deeds for mankind. Third time, same words, words, word for word. So is this your story? Have you ever made a mess in your life? Ever messed up a relationship? Hey, if you're a parent, I've got good news for you. You've messed up your kids. Just go ahead and accept it. Save for their therapy. It's great. 
Why? Now listen, listen, kids, kids, kids. And then it doesn't matter if you're a kid of six, 16, or 60. I just want to tell you the truth. Your mom and daddy are not to blame for all your problems. Because there's no perfect parents. Boy, there's a whole kind of conversation going on right over here. Right? It's true. It's true. There's no perfect parents. So don't put that burden on yourself. Parent out of God's grace. But I digress. Can I just tell you, if you've ever messed up, the good news is Jesus comes to clean up your mess. And he comes to deliver you from hopelessness. Now, some of you are in a mess right now. And that's why you really need to give your life to Jesus and say, okay, I'm going to follow you because my life's a mess. And I can't untangle it all. Now, final life crisis, life story is found in verse 23. See if you can see how verse 23 breaks the pattern. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. See how this is different? See, the first three stories, they were wandering in the desert, couldn't find their way. They were in prison, in darkness. You know, they were just in chains. Uh, They were fools, and they made a mess. These are just people going about doing their business. They're just going to work. They're just showing up. They go down to the sea in ships. They go out. They sail. They're just doing their job, showing up, doing life. And then the storm shows up. Listen to how the storm is described in verse 26. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. You ever been in a storm on a boat? What does it do? Up, down, up, down. What does your stomach do? Up, down, up, down. And then I'll stop there. In their peril, their courage melted away. Now, if you're a sailor, you've been through storms before. How bad does the storm have to be for your courage to melt? They reeled and staggered like drunkards. Can't you just see that picture on the ship? They were at their wits end. They didn't know how to solve the problem. What's the crisis? They were caught in a storm they didn't make. You ever been in that crisis? Yes, some of you, that was your childhood, right? You thought all families were like your family. You thought moms and dads always fought and threw things at each other. Or maybe, maybe you thought that everybody's parents beat them till they bruised and bled. And you just thought that was normal. And that wasn't your fault. That was a crisis. That was a storm you didn't make. Or maybe, you know, you were just doing life, right? And all of a sudden, the spouse comes in and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. I didn't want this. You ever notice that when the boss messes up, he doesn't lose his job, but you do? Yeah, those big bosses who make all those decisions, they keep making all the money, and then you, 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 you get fired, and you didn't make the mess. Now you've got to find a new job, have to uproot your family. Or maybe, maybe you go to the doctor and don't feel good, and the doctor says, let's run some tests. The doctor comes back and says, it's cancer. You say, but I never smoked. I never chewed. I never sprayed pesticides. How did this happen? It just happened. It's a storm you didn't make. And if you're in a storm you didn't make, watch what happens. You've heard these words now. This will be the fourth time. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. Even if you're in a storm you didn't make, when you cry out, God responds. And look how he rescues them. 
verse 29, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. This reminds you of any other story in the Bible? Like maybe a story about Jesus? Remember, he was so tired, sun was going down, he said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and go across the lake. So they got in the boat, and Jesus is exhausted. He lays down, Mark gives us this amazing little detail. He lays his head down on a pillow, on a cushion. By the way, that's one of the ways you know the Bible isn't made up, the detail. And they start sailing across. Now, these guys are fishermen. They've sailed across this lake thousands of times. A storm comes up. It's like, okay, this is a storm. But then the storm gets really bad. And what are they doing? They're staggering about like drunk men. It's a terrifying moment. They think they're going to die. How bad does the storm have to be to scare a fisherman? And so they wake Jesus up. Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. You ever been woken up from a nap? Aren't you in a good mood? This is grumpy Jesus. And if you think Jesus never was grumpy, then read the Gospels a little closer because Jesus gets up and he looks at him. I can just hear Jesus. I just hear him. Oh, you have little faith. You have little faith. Why couldn't you have taken care of this? And just grumpy Jesus gets up and he speaks to the wind and he speaks to the waves and boom, calm. I would love to have seen that. And the disciples go, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Oh, my friends, I've got really good news for you. If you're in a storm you didn't make, Jesus is still in charge of the storm. Jesus is still in charge of the storm. I I thought about this. I I thought about people I know and they got diagnosed with cancer in their 30s and they had three children and, and they prayed and said, God, just let me live long enough to see my children grow up. And they not only lived long enough to see their children grow up, they've gotten to hold their grandchildren. And then I think about, I've got somebody else I know and, and I know his wife had cancer and he took care of her and, and she, he prayed, God, please let her live, let her live. And she died. And you might say, well, the storm, the storm took over. No, 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 no. You talk to that man today, he said, God got me through that storm. I thought I was going under, but I didn't. God comes and rescues you when you're in a storm you didn't make. So will you give him thanks? Here we all go again, word for word, saying, word for word. You know, when the Bible repeats something, pay attention. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Is this your story? I'm in a storm I didn't make. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to live through this, but I know that Jesus is in charge of the storm. Now, real quickly, I want to finish up with two questions. I want to challenge you with these two questions. Here's the first one. Which of these stories is your story today? Which of these stories is your story today? Because here's what I I have observed about life. You are either in a crisis, you're coming out of a crisis, or you're going into a crisis. Isn't that good news? Okay, it's just life, folks. It's just life, right? Nobody gets a free pass. Everybody. Everybody experiences this. You're either in a crisis, going through, coming out of one, or going into one. And no matter what your story is, God is there. 
Now, as I thought about this, as I prepared this message, here's the, the revelation that came to me. I've experienced all four of these stories in my life. There's been times when I didn't have direction. I didn't know what to do, and I prayed, God, show me what to do. And guess what? God did. God did. God showed me. Sometimes not that day, sometimes not the next day. But eventually I got the direction I knew God wanted me to go. I have been in that place where I said to God, I know more than you do, and I'm smarter than you do, and I'm not going to listen to you. And then I wound up in a prison, not literally prison, but a prison that I made myself, and, and God came and rescued me and brought me light. And I sure have made a mess out of some things in my life. You know, tell you the thing about that's difficult about getting old. See, some of you don't know this yet. The thing difficult about getting older is your messes get clearer. You see more clearly the messes you've made by your own choices, your own decisions. And Jesus has still come and gotten me out of my mess, and he's given me hope. And I surely have been caught in storms I didn't make. I was just kind of passing through, and whoof, tornado hits. And God showed me that he's still in charge. Which of these is you today? So here's my second question. Are you giving God thanks that he's in your story? Are you giving God thanks that he's in your story? You don't even have to be a believer to do this, but if you're a believer, boy, I think this is essential. And let me tell you the best reason to be a believer is because no matter what your storm is, God is there. And God's working good for you who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I want us to do something a little different. I want to invite you to bow your heads. And if you're a person who doesn't like to close your eyes, don't worry about closing your eyes. Uh, but it might help you to concentrate because I just want you to think about some things. If you're watching online, hey, participate in this with us. You're at one of the campuses, do this along with us. If you're driving, don't bow your head, don't close your eyes. Okay. I just want to ask you, what's your story? Do you need to give God thanks because you were wandering, you didn't know which way to go, and he guided you and directed you? And it wasn't luck, it was God. You need to give him thanks. You, uh, you one of those people who thought you could outsmart God? Wound up with an addiction, wound up with something that just really took control of your life? And God rescued you? Give thanks to God. You're one of those people who's been a fool and made a mess. Give thanks to God that he came for you and delivered you from that mess. You get caught in a storm you didn't make. But God came through. He calmed the storm. Sometimes he didn't calm the storm he calmed you and you made it through give him thanks and if you don't know Jesus hey today maybe what you've heard has opened your eyes and you realize that there is a God who will come for you who will rescue you and would be really good to be his child Give your life to Jesus today. Heavenly Father, 
Thanks for being the God who saves, the God who rescues. Help all of us to know our story and see it and live in this attitude of gratitude. I pray, especially for people who don't know you, that today, today would be the day they'd open their lives to Jesus. And I ask all of this in Jesus' amazing name. Amen.